What happens when a guy from the city accidentally contacts a guy from the country? It's not what you think. They strike up a conversation and same difference is created. JD and Corey talk the whole gamut of life as they each see it through the prism of race. One is a six foot four black man and one is a five foot four white man. Tune in and find out which is which. Agree or disagree, they will make you think, strike emotional chords, and more. Stick around. You might just learn something. Welcome to Same Difference with your hosts, JD and Corey. We're sharing our stories and how our stories impacted our approach to life. We take our perspectives into having dialogue about real life topics. Hey everybody, welcome back. I have the great Dr. J.D. Mass sitting right next to me. Well, virtually at least. Doctor, how are you? I'm doing well, Corey. How are you? Brother, I am well. I am well. Uh, why don't you take care of the shout outs and then let's dig into this. All right. You know, we got to give... Uh, a lot of honor and praises to VPR Radio for all their help in uh, putting this platform available for us and really showing us the way. I want to give shout outs to the Race for What team, Essie and the D for their work. Um, Essie's been working on those uh, Instagram posts, the TikTok posts, doing her thing. Um, please follow us on Instagram, on uh, TikTok. I need to learn the the uh, actual way it's written because there's a lot of same differences out there, but you'll see our logo um, and it's same underscore difference and maybe even underscore something else. So I'll come back to you guys on that. That was my cliffhanger for next time. Um, but yeah, speaking of cliffhangers, we're going to take a little pivot Um today and we're not gonna keep along the lines of the last two episodes with colleges um it is the day no two days after martin luther king's birth no the day after. okay see this is how long my days are <laughs> um so it's you know a day after martin luther king's birthday and um we're gonna kind of talk about today what that meant given that race is such a important topic of how we grew up um let's let's talk about dr king and and anybody in that freedom fighting kind of world i'm glad you brought all that up now for those of you who don't know reverend dr martin luther king attended morehouse college long before i did i attended morehouse college as well and as one of the most famous Americans that we've ever had, everybody seems to want to claim Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King. Yep. They can and, take a clip. Uh, yeah, everybody wants to take their take their little sip of, of Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King. So you see commercialized efforts, mattress sales. Oh, we've got a we've got a Dr. King sale. Stop. Stop. Now, I am not the most educated Dr. King scholar. Uh, we've got opportunities to study a lot of who he is, what he did, his relevance. And, and it shouldn't be just one day a year. We should be doing this more. It should be woven into American history because black history is American history. So let's let's start talking about this and why it's important. Well, right. first, go ahead, go ahead. Um, continue, you seem to be on a roll. <laughs> <laughs> well, the first thing is, is that we have, he has been reduced to the cheapest of um, of memes right now, right? And and it just burns me up. 
So the phrase that everybody quotes now is, I have a dream that my four little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. Now that's a laudable goal. We all appreciate it. But here's what the problem is. It requires no effort, no effort to change. And especially when we use the term judge, right? If we are using judge, that means that that is a either a vertical power relationship, i.e. I am better than you and I am judging, or we are equals and that judgment is peer to peer. That's one thing. Given that our society is structured on inequalities, judgment, if we're gonna live in that country that judges on the content of the character, that goes both ways. If we're looking for an equal society, that goes both ways, which requires change. If it's going to maintain that current power structure of inequality, well, judgment right now, this is exactly what we've got. We've got judgment within certain uh, certain frames and parameters, meaning, yeah, I'm going to judge you on the content of your character, but I'm not going to understand what makes you tick. I'm not going to understand your historical context of why you're encountering these troubles. I'm just going to keep it all based on you and what your problems are. So all your problems are all your problems, regardless of anything that has affected you. And let's take that one step further. Keep it going. <laughs> Those lines from that speech are a, just a small, almost sound bite from an entire speech that's digging deep into America's racial history and its history of oppression, its history of systemic, oh, systemic racism. And rather than focusing on that, we're gonna look at the easiest thing that we can do to not change anything. And let's take this one step further, because I'm like that. If you have that dream, why aren't you working to make that a reality? If you have that dream, why aren't you working to make it a reality? Because that requires effort. That requires soul searching. It requires what? It requires a demand upon myself to be better so that I can make that dream happen. And that's not just the burden placed upon Black people and other people of color. That includes white Americans as well. <laughs> Got to catch a breath, JD. <laughs> well, while you're taking a breath, I can also support what you're saying. Um so I'm going to tell a story for how I got into what is now what I call my purpose work, which is race for what. And um, when I was in the third grade, we learned about Dr. Martin Luther King. I mean, I'm sure we learned about him before that, but this is when my memory really comes into play. And we had to make a practice speech similar to I had a dream, right? Kind of a, how would, how would Dr. Martin Luther King say it? How would you say it? Whatever. I can't remember the exact context, but when we started to learn about him and of course they taught us the easy part, like you said, um, they taught us the, I have a dream portion of that speech. I was like, so why is he famous? <laughs> Isn't that 
common. Like, you know, this is how I'm being raised at the time. Right. right? And I was like, wait a second. And to hear that, you know, he was killed and all of these things. And I just didn't understand it. To me, everything he was saying just kind of made sense. But that's, again, that's the easy part of the portion that we were talking about. What I started to learn, because that really was opening my eyes to, okay, well, if that made him famous, then I know that at the third grade, what what is it about me that's understanding that? And is there something going on in the world that I don't know about? And so I started to really recognize racist things throughout my life from, you know, I've told these stories, cops pulling us over on the way to home from the movies on, you know, just <laughs> harassment, uh, systemic things. I saw teachers treat black students differently, even though they were the majority in the school. Um, if they don't act a certain way, which is to assimilate into the culture and things of that nature. And so I just started to really pay attention. But most importantly, I really wanted to know why. Why was racism a thing? And that, to lead to what you're saying, when I was involved in the anti-racism work in LA and in Chicago, I mean, Chicago, Lord, I guess I wish I was in Chicago, um, in St. Louis and, and LA, we avoided, as white anti-racist, we avoided the conversation of why far too often. And until we really understand where the ideas of racism come from, the intentions of racism comes from, and the why uh, it could have started, and we can hug ourselves of, you know, 500 years ago, maybe because it's a bullying mentality, right? Racism is a bullying thing. Right. But it's a competition thing. Right. Too. That's why it's called race. Like we're running a race to get there the fastest, grab all the stuff we can grab, keep control of it. We got to shoo those people away, trip them, fuck, you know, I'm sorry, can't use that word. <clears throat> you know, mess with them, do whatever we got to do to get in their way, cause, and hey, let's get some of our people to be the, the barriers and the obstacles and all of those things like this was systemically put together. That's why it's an ism racism. And so I, I think that is the goal of my work is to really get us to untangle the why and start a new approach. Right. I'm not even into anti-racism anymore. I'm flipping it back to not being racist, but not being racist doesn't just mean you get to decide as a white person what that means. Oh, I don't judge people. Okay, but you don't know the context. So we do judge people by, you know, uh, their skin color, or we do judge people about whether they fit into our system without questioning what our system really is and how it works and whether it's the greatest thing since sliced bread or not. So I'm with you on that. Um, I, my work is about getting into the why it's about getting into the really understanding of the practices that all of us that are not in that 0.1%, that are not in those government structures getting paid by lobbyists of those 0.1%, that all of us far right to far left are complaining about these systems and wanting everybody else to do the right thing by, you know, and make the changes while we sit back and just judge people by the character of their heart and not by their skin color and it doesn't work without intentions to heal the harm of that that has yes. Been caused yes um the only analogy that i have or here's an analogy 
that I have for everyone who says, you know, I didn't have slaves. I didn't, I didn't, um, I didn't own slaves. Uh, this is all something that that's, we just need to let it go. Okay, cool. Here's my analogy. How many people are bent out of shape about deficit spending? There's so many people that are saying, well, we have to take these draconian cuts. We have to cut the budget here. We have to cut the budget here. We have to cut the budget here. And in order to do that, this is going to be painful. And people push back on that. If we keep kicking the can down the road and we keep procrastinating on facing this and dealing with it, the problem's only going to get worse. So this is exactly how I feel about honest dialogues with regard to race. An honest dialogue about race means we confront it, we deal with it, we expose all of this to light, and everybody is going to have to take some, some grief, right? And, and it's going to require us all to be brave or we just continue to pass this down generation to generation. If people are upset about deficit spending, well, we should be equally as upset about not having legitimate conversations about race. Is it uncomfortable? Yeah. Is it going to be difficult to, to, to deal with the cuts, so to speak? The owning the, and the responsibility? Yeah. Is it borne by people of both parties? Yeah, but the sooner we deal with it, the better we all are for it. And all those people who are saying we need to cut the budget and we're not going to deal with the issue of race, you're hypocrites. Absolute hypocrites. This is just my opinion. I think we're missing an opportunity. 20 people just logged off right now. Go ahead. <laughs> I, I am encouraging our listeners, disagree, please keep listening. We're going to keep telling stories and we're going to keep talking about this in a way that also is welcoming. And sometimes you just got to get it off your chest, though. And so absolutely, this is a moment. And and you can be mad at me. I, I, I completely will respect that. I am hoping that all of our disagreements can be done without being disagreeable. I am hopeful and optimistic that we can disagree without being uncivil. And without shutting each other down, right? Because exactly. that's what cancel culture is. If you don't like the cancel culture from the left, it's on the right too. If you don't like it from the right, it's on the left too. If you don't like it from the you know, heterosexual standpoint, it's in the LGBT community too. If you don't like it from the LGBT community, it's in the heterosexual community too. It right. is a part of power dynamics built into what the same culture that created racism. And if we're going to really end cancel culture, we have to look at the competitive nature of our culture. Right. And that is going to take some of this discomfort. And it's going to be healing. So keep on with us, folks. Let's go, Corey. Sorry for cutting you off. No, no, no. I think that's a perfect, that's a perfect point. We are dealing with an emotional issue. These are emotional issues. And when people use the term triggered, we are dealing with visceral results. And, and we see it when one person becomes emblematic of all people, right? And, and, and for example, um, if one Black person does something wrong, 
all, they all do that. There's a stereotype that happens. Now you're starting to see some of that move back toward white people as well. When one white person acts in a certain way, all their believers or followers are just like them. And it's not, it's far on both sides, both cases, it's far more nuanced. Um, let's I'm go. certainly known for saying fucking white people. <laughs> are we gonna have are we gonna have to get a uh a, a, a swear a jar, jar for you? A swear jar for me, yes, we're gonna have to get a swear jar for me. I was told I could have a few in there though, Corey, so I picked them wisely. Go ahead, sorry. With regard to, to the to the deficit spending analogy, we need to look at these structures from the perspective of again, what would America have looked like had in had Reconstruction actually been able to take root and freed slaves were given the 40 acres and a mule that they were promised. What would that do? If we had sought to heal that wound back then, what would that mean? And let's clarify, 40 acres and a mule wasn't for every member of a family. It was for a family of a certain size, right? But that was like the baseline of that. And at that time, it wasn't that big of a deal as much as it would be in a high, much highly populated today, but it also would have been a huge deal in the power dynamics and, and building of equitable sharing of opportunities, resources, and, and so on. So Absolutely. You think about 40 acres, what can you do with 40 acres and a mule? That means you can plant, you have enough property to feed your family and sell some, sell quite a bit at market. Take that one step further. That means if you have relatives and you all, you can start to create black towns. Again, creating black towns, black economies, which means that we are now a member of the merchant class well not only not only do we have the opportunity to feed our families and clothe our families we can sell our products as well now there have been limited successes in these moments but every time those economies happened they were burned to the ground yep so rosewood florida Let's add one other component to this uh, 40 acres and a mule. Plenty of white folks got 40 acres and a mule. Right. And I don't mean that in a literal sense. I mean, in every time we expanded the United States and the colonies and <clears throat> whatnot, we just went in and took land. So to think that we would be giving it to someone when they actually worked to build the wealth that we started to create with our idea of how to measure money, that's not so far-fetched to right. know that we did this on our, we did this as well. We took this. And there's, you know, stories of manipulation of these reparative justice type of operations that went back to white folks, even though they were supposedly designed for others. Um, if you don't know the story of the $5 Indian, look it up. The $5 Indian, I'm just saying it might be, I don't know if it is, might be the reason why Warren, what's her name? Elizabeth Warren thought she was of a native um, you know, bloodline. Right. Because the $5 Indian, white folks came and claimed this, which had a certain amount of land attached to it. I forget all the details, but it was land. You could buy land for $5. And as long as you shown proof that you were of native, um, indigenous, uh, you know, bloodline. 
and white folks came and did it, claimed it, and got all of these $5 large pieces of land that uh, ended up continuing to build the wealth. And so there is this wealth gap that started with slavery and has continued ever since. And it's a lot to do with that term, race. If you had 40 acres, again, 40 acres and that mule, and you, that meant that you had commerce. There was commerce, you had money and, and access to money, which allowed you to possibly purchase more land. And that's... <laughs> Land was one of, uh, land is one of the best ways to have wealth, right? There's a limited amount of it and, and you can develop it. It's like playing Monopoly. You can land on this bad piece of property, but if you develop it, guess what? It's worth increases. If you're shut out of all of those opportunities, how do you build wealth? How do you build wealth? And that's what former slaves were dealing with, with Reconstruction, the hope of Reconstruction, and then finding out that, no, we're not going to hold good on that promise. And that's part of the I Have a Dream speech, when we talk about coming to Washington to cash this check that has insufficient funds. People, this is an issue that has been around for a long, long time. We're dealing with, for those of us who were born in the 60s, I'm coming up, well, in four years, I'll be 60. Damn. All right, all right, all right. Everybody got jokes now. In four years, I'll be 60. Have we made progress? Yes. And we've backslid. Every time there is an advancement, there is a equal and opposite direction. Uh, there's an equal and opposite movement in the opposite direction. Sometimes in conversations, we get the question of, well, change doesn't happen quickly. I have to say, stop, stop that conversation because we were free from English rule and that happened relatively quickly, right? And now all of these things, all of uh, these liberties that we have, have happened so quickly. So why can't we, if if the Emancipation Proclamation and freedom happened in 1865, why are we still dealing with those residual effects? It's because we haven't dealt with the issues. We haven't dealt with the issues. It's not simply just, oh, you need to work harder. Will Rogers used to say this, if you find yourself in a hole, stop digging. Well, constantly finding yourself in that hole that isn't of your own making is exhausting as you are digging out. And you can't run a foot race and win when somebody has a 20 or 30 yard, yard lead consistently. Maybe even they have a 60 or 70 yard lead. And the effort that they expend in those 30 yards to get to that 100 yards is different than the effort required to run a 100-yard race or a 100-meter dash with uh, where, you, where you are running a 150-meter dash. You will almost never, ever catch up, the, catch up with the person who, is, uh, who only has 30 meters to go while you have to start 50 meters back. Let me take a drink for a moment. Doctor. Yes. Got? You got to get it off your chest. 
but also I think it's important when you talk about this race and this competition that we address repair as healing. Uh, yes. And I think it's important for us to contextualize that if, as white folks, we want this topic of race to go the blank away. Right. We do. We just judge you for how you fit into our system in our society. Like, why can't you just participate in, right? And we we don't know that we haven't learned enough. But let's take a, a step of just what we've learned. And let's address that harm was done with slavery. Like, it wasn't what uh, the good governor of Florida would love us to believe. And I don't believe that Many people do believe that unless they just want to be holding on to this notion of having less melanin in your skin makes you superior. The rest of us just want to go about our life, be peaceful, and want you know you to get over it so that we don't have to deal with it because we got enough problems to deal with on our own as well. And if we could look at the healing process, right, if somebody gets injured, Let's in a competition. This is a competitive world. You know, you go into business, you see other people in your industry, they're competitors. You go into, you know, like you said about land, there's a limited amount of land. Well, I'll save my speech on how we look at land um, instead of as the earth and, and we're just on it um, right. as this idea of we get to control and own it. But if there's a limited amount, then we're competing for it, right? So it's always a competition, which is why I keep going back to this term race, sorry, right over there. Um, <laughs> this term race is, uh, is about competition and we've deemed it white versus black and everybody else in the middle is part of it and used and abused and all of us are abused. So let's just talk about this healing thing for a second. I know I'm a little jumpy right now, but if you are injured and you are injured in the middle of the street, let's say one of our listeners comes and runs you over, Corey, boom. <laughs> Right. And the rest of us are witnesses to this because we love Same Difference podcast and we want Corey to tell us some more stories. <clears throat> and we've seen him get run over and legs broken and shoulders broken because every part of every system, economic, education, all of these things have been given us an advantage and you a disadvantage based on solely something uncontrollable, such as the level of pigment in your skin. So you're injured on multiple levels, your shoulders jacked up. You got some head injury. You got your back, your legs, your, your torn limb, you, you know, ligaments in your knee. You can't walk, get up, do anything. Right. And the rest of us go, well, Corey, we didn't do it. Why are you asking us for help? Right? Yet, if I go and I help you, I feel better about myself. Right? And I know that to be true of a lot of Trump following right wingers, and I'm saying this to the left right now, who believe that this is such a horrible group of people. No, I know that they would pick you up if you needed help. I know that they would call an ambulance if you needed an ambulance. I know that they would invite you in if you needed a meal. So we have to see rep repair, right? That that bad word of reparations 
as part of the healing process. Right. And it's going to be good for us from a humanity standpoint. Right. To demand that the powers to be share their resources equally and bring forth a level of equity to this. Right. So let's continue, though, because there's people that went into being an ambulance EMT and there's doctors and there's physical therapists and all of these people got training to do what? To help. No, to make a lot of money. What are you paying attention or not? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> to help, right? That is their sole purpose is to help heal somebody, bring them to a place of healing. Even though if we say you'll never be the same, that doesn't excuse us from being from wanting you to at least get, you know, that as much healing as possible. And the doctors feel good. I got, I'm raised by one. She felt great when she would help people heal. She felt right. great when she found something out that could have been worse. But on the flip side, if none of us came over and said, Corey, what do we got to do? Let's don't move your head. Let's stop the traffic for a minute. Let's get the ambulance out here. Let's do all of that. And we just said after a while, like, all right, Corey, you've been down there long enough. Like, come on, man, get your ass up and 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 get out of the street because we're trying to, you know, go through traffic and you're just sitting here stuck and you ain't trying to do nothing with your life. I mean, what the heck are you doing? Bleeding. Right. Bleeding. <laughs> So now you're stuck trying to move yourself out of traffic so that somebody crazy doesn't come and hit you again. And now you got to continue in the race with these injuries. And you know what happens to our bodies when we start overcompensating for injuries? We hurt other parts of our bodies. We tear even those injuries more. We pick at our scabs and it gets worse. We don't heal them and protect them and and clean the wounds and the wounds get infected and it gets worse. And this is where we are today. Yes, it appears that certain things have gotten better because we threw you some gauze and some, uh, you know, ankle wrap. Right. But. And and it was the next generation that came, right? The generation that hit you and left you there didn't want to. And so, okay, this generation at least is doing something for you. You should be grateful for that instead of what can we do to be a part of the healing? And yes, you do have to be a part of your own healing. Right. Right? You do. Yeah. I can't heal for you, but I can help you. And if we've started to really learn about that healing process between you and us and really started to say that became valuable to us. That feeling that we get from healing somebody feels valuable to us. Now, we don't have the tools, so I'm not asking white folks to run out there and and think that you know what's going on and, and how to heal it yet, but to at least value the humanity of being a part of the healing process now mm-hmm. bring forth so much more for us because there's things about your culture that we want to enjoy too. There's things that we want to be a part of too. There's ways that we know you can help us and ways that we could help you. And we would much rather have that relationship. Right but we don't know that all we've ever asked of you is to fit into our system as your definition that we gave you of what freedom means to you. I'm going to say that again. Please. We don't know that we, in our power to define of what freedom means to you is that you are free to be a part our system. You are free to assimilate with us. And if you don't, if you try to be your own culture, 
we're back to that word race right and we're in this competition again right instead we could just love the fact that you're in your lane running your lane and we could be curious and we could gain some wonderful things from it and this is what martin luther king really wanted he wanted repair he was all about repair and when he got louder about repair that's when he was assassinated to be sure assassinated there has always been a sense of community no matter what your racial or ethnic religious uh or um uh sexual identity there's always been a sense of community right and we were uh, Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King talked about this in letters from uh, Birmingham jail. Injustice uh, anywhere is injustice everywhere. Mm-hmm. It's and, a threat to justice everywhere, yep. What was that? It's a threat to justice everywhere, yep. Yes, yes. Injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, that we, at one point, we actually, well... No, I th- I still think that it holds true. Um, it's just become more segregated, right? So, any we can talk about um, Ahmad Arbery and the injustice there, and it's only been. It feels like it's only been a recent thing where uh, it's only been a recent development where black people get justice uh, when they're killed by whites for very flimsy reasons. And I'm not going to say this as a blanket statement. We're seeing these, these landmark feeling cases where it's like, oh, wow, I, I'm surprised when if the shoe were on the other foot, we'd be like, we know what to expect. It had a black man harmed a white male doing the same thing. We know that that black man, or at least history would tell us that that black man is going to go to jail for life, if not be killed prior to his arrival to jail. These are all somewhat relative, these are relatively new developments, and to see them is alternately hopeful, and why didn't this happen earlier? Why couldn't we be just, uh, why couldn't we have this sort of justice all the way along the line? Now. I got a question for you, but go go ahead. ahead Finish. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. Okay, so you grew up in Iowa around a bunch of white folks. What chance did they have of really learning the truth about the systemic side of the harm? Um, Well, when I was younger, I would go so far as to say likely whatever was in the textbooks. And unless you had a, a kind of adventurous teacher, you were not going to learn a lot during Black History Month. Now, I was in college, or I might have been out of college. I think I was out of college when um, MLK Day was passed. It was held up by the state of Arizona. And uh, to this day, I mean, it's the education about this. uh, I guess we're coming back full circle. The education about Black history the civil rights movement, Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King, were, you know, is limited. It's pretty much for Black Americans, uh, history, slavery, Dr. King. <laughs> slavery, Dr. King. And that's, there's so much more in-depth uh, education that should be included all the way along the line. I feel, and I can be wrong, I feel that if you systematically remove someone's history 
it is a conscious effort to erase them from existence. And, and you can see that again by when we come back to the excuse of no one alive still has slaves. Uh, I didn't benefit from those systems. I didn't benefit from slavery. Um, black people owned slaves too. So as long as black people own slaves, I don't think I have to feel anything about slavery as well. These are things that I've heard in conversations as well. And oh, these are gymnastics and contortions that people make in order to make themselves feel good so that they don't have to acknowledge the horrors of slavery. When I was a kid, uh, Roots was on television. The very original, the first Roots back in 77. I remember watching it and we were suggested, uh, it was suggested that we watch that th through school and we were supposed to watch it with our parents and we did. Part of that also meant that I was the expert on all things black in second or third grade or fifth or sixth grade. Every year that we studied about American history and there was slavery, it was always second grade, uh, second grade, third grade, fourth grade, fifth grade, sixth grade, even into seventh grade. Uh, Corey as student expert. The So <clears throat> my point. Right. If you were the student expert for all things black <laughs> and you had a day to get it all in and, and make your impact for teaching all these folks, what chance did they have in, in that society that not only creates the harm, but you have to protect yourself, right? Like that's, the part of slavery and the and the things of the harm that we don't really get to know is the intentions behind it. Right. The idea of the mentality that it takes, we don't want to go into that depth. Right. Of what it would take to intentionally raise babies from birth to believe they are less than and on the other side raise babies from birth to believe that they are more than right instead of raising them for love for yourself and love for others the psyche behind that to then have to build systems to protect that idea that this group is less than and yep. less than deserving and not worthy and harmful to themselves and to convince us other group that we are better off making sure that we get everything we can from them and maintain control over it so that we can win the race. We right. have to put in systems intentionally right. to do this. And that is what's missing from the history because we don't want to really learn the intentions because with the learning of truth comes the opportunity for healing. Because right. now we can go, whoa, 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 whoa. Am I participating in that? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Do, is there a reason that this happened? Whoa, right. whoa. You know, and we can start asking these questions. And that is the threat to the system powers to be. Oh, yes, definitely. We can take that one more, uh, one other step. It's, it's, um, it, we'll, we'll go back to the injury, uh, me being hit by a cart. Thanks, JD. <laughs> well, how you how you want me to paint the picture? You want us to just come with baseball bats and hoods on and oh, no, geez, yeah, easy, easy turbo. So, okay, well then I oh, no. tried to paint a picture that was oh, why, more understandable. Why I got to be hit by the car? <laughs> well, no, 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 don't answer, don't your, answer. You got your friends. So I'm trying to get your friends to see that we need to heal. 
again, and it's it's just like this. Um, if let's say we, I, I do manage to uh, hobble, uh, get upright, and hobble myself to uh, to the sidewalk and get out of the street. If I don't get those injuries addressed, mm-hmm. I will never grow straight. Mm-hmm. My bones will not be set properly. I will never right. walk straight. Right. If I don't clean up the cuts and get them, um, uh, if I don't clean up the cuts and get them properly dressed, sepsis can mm-hmm. set in. Mm-hmm. And if I don't get my head checked, I could have a traumatic brain injury, which Mm -hmm. changes everything that I look at. Mm -hmm. So if I don't have that health care, if I don't have that concern, guess what? I don't grow into everything that I could be. But not only that, you're going to keep watching us walk by you. Right. And you're going to be dealing with your pain without the help. And you just might. There's, you know, possibility you'll still be really happy and loving to us all, which black folks have been throughout this process. Right. But you also may just get a little angry. Mm -hmm. We don't want that. And if I'm sitting on the sideline healing from this and I see the same thing happen day after day after day, that's when I start to recognize that this is much bigger than the individuals, Mm -hmm. that there is a systemic problem. Mm -hmm. And if I see it's the same person doing it over and over again, now we really have a big problem or maybe it's not that same guy. Maybe it's his brother. Maybe it's his cousin. Maybe it's his friend. Maybe it's his classmate. And we keep seeing this same thing happen over and over again. And then a whole bunch of us are on the sideline healing up saying, what in the world just hit me? Mm-hmm. You can start to see where people might be resentful. And in this healing process, we are going to have to create space for that and to be dis- uncomfortable hearing that and start to work through how can we be a part of the healing. Because I guarantee this, without a doubt, healing process will bring forth greater joy in all of our lives than what we feel and and are going through right now as a people. Much better than this level of, I got to focus on myself. I got to pull my own self up by my bootstraps. I got to, I'm struggling too. Black people ain't just struggling. It's me too, because we're going to heal and we're going to be better as well from this. We didn't have much of a chance to learn the truth. We do have a great choice that we can make to be a part of the healing process. Agreed. So after MLK Day 2024, if you want to know the my, my actual feelings, go ahead. You can read... You can read the I Have a Dream speech, but I would read everything up to that and everything that follows that. And then I would pivot over to other speeches. Again, Letter from Birmingham Jail lays out a tremendous campaign. It lays out a plan and a vision. And it asks for people to not sit idly by But in a moment where a man is incarcerated, he pens one of the most pivotal and seminal speeches in American history. I would say read that. And it is it is uncomfortable. I had a I had a a friend tell me, hey, uh, is there somewhere where there's a Cliff Notes version of it? We can't reduce these things to bumper sticker slogans. 
we need to be understanding all of it. It's like, hey, doc, I got hit by this car. Can you give me some antibiotics and and uh, that'll heal up everything? Well, it'll heal something if that's what we need. But in order for those bones to be uh, healing up, we have to set those bones. That's going to hurt. Hurt. Thank you. I was about to talk about that. It's going to hurt. The healing process hurts. There is no disease, no injury that you've ever healed from that also didn't come with pain from cleaning it, cleaning the wounds to having to go in and recut something so you can get into there and surgically repair something to the physical therapy afterwards. And there's setbacks. Sometimes we do make mistakes or we do push ourselves too hard and we have setbacks. All of that is part of the healing process. And let's welcome it all. Let's be a part of it, whether we take in a position of physical therapist or whether we are doing through the healing part ourselves from our own injuries. The healing is where it's at right now. Exactly. We agree. We agree. JD, I think this has been a most productive almost hour. Are there any parting thoughts that you have for our fine listeners? Yes. Uh, thank you all. We will be continuing to tell our stories. I got some stories to tell. And yet, this is also an important part of what Same Difference is. And I really hope that if we struck some nerves with you, if we uh, made you want to turn it off and you didn't, I appreciate it, but write to us. Let's continue a dialogue because I don't expect everybody to be in the same level of understanding as me. And I also know that I can learn from your perspective as well. And that we can find a way to continue the healing process if we continue the conversation rather than ask everybody to go to their corner and do it on their own. So let's lean in and we're going to come back with some great stories. JD almost gets locked up right after his first year of high school. I mean, first year of college and almost wasn't here to even tell you any of these stories and you will be able to hear that in the next episode for sure. Thank you, JD. I just want you to say, I want to say to all of our listeners, again, this is a place where dialogue begins. We can dig deeper, communicate with us, send us letters at same difference. Dot life. What was oh. same difference dot life? Yes. Mm-hmm. And same difference podcast at broadcast. G- oh, same difference broadcast at gmail.com. When we do that, it just continues the dialogue. We're not going to solve everything in one day. We can't. But if we can open up a dialogue and we can open a heart or a mind, that's a good start. Don't be afraid to engage with us. Don't be afraid to ask us questions. Or tell us where you think we're wrong. Thank you. Here's another thing that you can do. You can tell your friends about Same Difference Podcast and look for JD and me. Look for the diamond, Same Difference. We're here for you. And we'll see you next week. Thank you for tuning in to another inspiring episode of Same Difference. We hope this journey through unique connections and diverse perspectives has left you with fresh insights and a broader understanding of the world we share. We're humbled by your support and enthusiasm for the incredible stories and discussions we've shared. And remember, our mission is to foster critical thinking, embrace new perspectives, and spark conversations that bring us closer to an equitable world. So, if you've enjoyed our podcast, please don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review us. 
Your feedback means the world to us, and it helps us reach even more listeners. And if you have a story to share or a topic you'd like us to explore, don't hesitate to get in touch. We're always looking for new voices and fresh perspectives to feature on Same Difference. Until next time, remember that our shared humanity is our most powerful asset. And by working together, we can bring about positive change. Stay curious, stay compassionate, and keep making a difference. Thank you for being a part of Same Difference. Take care, everyone. See you in the next episode.